Good morning, church. How are you? Good. You look great. Even with an hour less of sleep, you look fantastic. Can we take a moment and just welcome everyone that's watching online this morning? All right. So if you're watching in your cozy Superman pajamas this morning, uh, we are so glad that you're watching and you're here with us today. I fully expect, actually, um, a crowd of people to arrive in about 20 minutes, uh, 22 minutes for the 1030 service. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that you're here. And if you have your cell phones with you and you have social media accounts, would you take a moment, please, and share this stream? It could be the stream that saves your friend's life. I believe that there is a word from heaven today for each and every one of us. So go ahead and share this stream on Facebook. If you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and, and like and share and comment. Any engagement that you give us just puts us in front of more people. So I think this is, it's never been easier to evangelize. It's never been easier to share your faith simply by sharing a stream. So we're in our series, we're continuing our series today called Voice of the Heart and we're on week three. The first two weeks, I think, have been pretty amazing for me, at least, to communicate it and dive into it and kind of help you navigate the corridors of your heart. In the first week, we talked about the fact that the heart is most often deceptive. In the most common expression of the heart, it's deceptive. But there's hope. Your heart can be healed. We, we know also that our heart doesn't have to be uh, an enigma. It doesn't have to be something that we can't figure out. I mean, we know that the Lord searches the heart, and if we're in connection with God and he's searching our heart, then he can reveal to us the hidden things of our heart. Can I get an amen from you this morning? That was in week one. In week two, we talked about the root system, the five roots that nourish our hearts, feelings, needs, desires, longings, and hope. And how each of, each of those are so critical in bringing life to our heart. And then today we're going to look at, uh, for the first time, an in-depth look, I think, at the eight core feelings that your heart experiences. I know we have a million words to describe how our heart feels, but it all funnels down to eight core feelings. Fair warning, I'm only tackling the first one today. This was supposed to be the last Sunday of the series, but I like to talk, and this is too much good information. So I'm going to, it's okay with you if I just push everything else back. What we were going to start next week is called social faith. I was going to teach you how to share your faith on social media, which I know some of you need that. You need to get saved on social media. I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I just think this is so important. This is so important. If we could just linger in the matters of the heart for maybe one more week. I'll do the first one today. Next week, I intend to do the other seven. The first one is kind of critical in that this first one has threads throughout all the other seven. So I think it's kind of foundational that we just give this its own, its own sermon today. Will you stand with me as we read our text again? 
from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. How many know that feelings are a gift? Yeah, sometimes you feel like maybe they're not a gift. Husbands, do you ever feel like feelings are not a gift? Wives, do you ever feel like feelings are not a gift? Feelings are a gift from God. Have you ever gotten a gift on Christmas from your kids or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is great. What is it? Have you anyone ever gotten a gift and you don't you really have no clue what it is and it's not until they describe the gift that you're like oh that's cool thank you I could not have lived my life without ever getting this gift well feelings are kind of like that sometimes we don't even know what's inside of our heart and we're like feelings are a gift what is it and I hope that we're going to navigate a little bit over these next two Sundays on the eight core feelings and exactly what that is we're going to start with Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Father, we come before you today. I thank you. Oh, God, we acknowledge that the heart is a complex thing. We acknowledge that there are layers upon layers of of trauma and wounds and presuppositions and philosophies. But God, I ask that you would help us to strip all of that away today. God, let us get to the core of who you've made us to be. Holy Spirit, will you come and sit with us a while? In whatever state that we're currently in, I ask that you would just divide this word hundreds of different ways, thousands of ways to the people in the room and the people watching online now and for the next several years that you would speak directly to our point of need. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say amen. Before you sit down, high five somebody, fist bump and say, feelings are a gift. I've been running three miles. Now, when I say I've been running three miles, that means somewhere in this three-mile stretch of road, I run. Somewhere in there, I will be running. And I I don't want to give you the wrong impression about me. I'm not at all trying to boast. I'm not at all trying to stand up here like some uh, superior alpha male. I'm just trying to be like honest with you and say, in that three-mile stretch of road, I go through four phases. Walking, jogging, running, and hyperventilating. These are the four things 
that I go through. But, you know, this morning or this week, I actually was jogging the three-mile route that I'm trying to build up to, and uh, I got in my head a little bit. You ever tried something really difficult, and then you just get in your head? And I got in my head. And somewhere around mile two, I was, I was feeling frustrated, and, and the truth is I'm doing great. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I don't need your affirmation. I don't need your applause. I know how far that I've come. I'm currently running about a 10 to 12, that's a wide range, but 10 to 12 minute mile, depending on my sleep and depending on my eating for the day or the night before or the day before. Um, so I know where I'm good and where I'm, I'm weak, but 10 to 12 minutes, I'm not going to win any races with that. But you should have seen me in 2018 and 2019. In 2018, I literally thought I would never run again. I was so physically and mentally sick from years and years of gout in my feet and issues and, and depression had set in and frustration had set in and poor choices had set in. And I really thought I would never run again. If you were to ask me what I was looking forward to in heaven, I would have told you, I want to get to heaven so I can run. <laughs> so a 12-minute mile for me, though it seems like a shady time, that's really good. Because I get to experience about three times a week heaven here on earth. Every time I run, and as awful it is, as it is, I get to thank God that I'm in a place now where I get to run 10-minute miles, 12-minute miles. But this time, man, I got in my head. I was jogging, and this is no exaggeration for the sake of the story. I really had these thoughts. I'm jogging. I'm sweating. I'm looking at the miles, and they seem to keep getting further. And I'm almost to mile two, and I have this thought of, why am I doing this? What am I running from? Literally, a dog's not chasing me. I didn't steal anything. The cops aren't chasing me. I mean, I did get arrested on senior prom night, but that's another story. Right now, they're not chasing me. What am I running from? Why am I doing this? So I stopped. I got in my head. I went from jogging and running to walking almost hyperventilating, sweating profusely, but I stopped. And, and then all of a sudden, another thought entered my mind. And I don't know if it was me, if it was God, if it was low oxygen. I don't know. But the next thought that entered my mind on Railroad Avenue in Pflugerville, Texas, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And this thought was, it's not what you're running from that matters. It's what you're running toward. I'm not running because something is chasing me. I'm running because I'm chasing something. I'm not running because I'm running away from something. I'm running three times a week because I'm running toward health. So I ran. I got about 10 seconds break walking Stefan, and then I ran. And it took me half a mile of that running to process the thoughts that had hit me to realize this is exactly how you and I process feelings and emotions. 
We look at feelings and emotions as if they're there for us to run from something. And when we run from something with our feelings, we stuff. When we run from something, we ignore our hearts. When we run from something, we take on false responsibility. When we run from something, we refuse to do the hard work to identify our true feelings, needs, desires, longings, and hopes. Some of us in our feelings, we're running from something this morning. But when we get the revelation that we don't actually have to run from anything, there is nothing to run away from. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your last name. It doesn't matter your bank account. It doesn't matter anything. There is literally nothing on planet earth in your life to run from. There is only always something to run to. And when we get a revelation of that, our connection with the heart changes. We can run toward healing and wholeness And in doing that, we gain the hope necessary to do the hard work. You need the hope inside of you to push through when things get difficult. Uncovering your heart is hard. Finding your true feelings and your true motivations and finding the seed of your affirmation, that's hard work. If you ever just sit down with a pen and paper and you just journal out what you're feeling and you funnel it all down to these eight core feelings, cut away all the fluff, Cut away all the drama, all the narrative, all the explanation, and just find out what does your heart feel in this moment using only these eight words. That's hard work. Just this week, I met with a man who began the journey of doing hard work. So proud of him. We sat down and talked in my office for a good hour and went through the history of his life and the pain that he's currently experiencing. And this man in his 40s was hitting things he had never hit before. He is addressing things he had never even thought to address before. And tears were rolling down his face. And he had just made the comment, I've I've never actually looked at my heart this way. He's doing the hard work. Church, we're never going to get healed if we're not willing to do the hard work of looking at our heart Now, last week, I have to tell you, I address mental illness. If you weren't here last week and you've not watched it online, I encourage you to do that. I need you to get that blurb about mental illness because it does play into this series. I want to encourage you to watch it, but I'm not going to address it again today except for this reference point. So if you have mental illness, know someone that does, watch last week. Today, we're going to focus on the first of the eight core feelings, all right? Uh, Because we cannot live fully without embracing these feelings. This is how you were wired. This is how God made you. Are you ready for the eight core feelings? All right, look on your notes. They're already listed for you. Hurt, lonely, sad, angry, fear, shame, guilt, glad. Every feeling you could ever experience funnels down to these eight words. Hurt, lonely, sad, angry, fear, shame, guilt, sad. If you're watching online, take a screenshot of that because that will be your map for reading your heart. And when talking about feelings, any words that are not these eight words are a step away from the truth. Okay? 
a step away from the pure experience of the heart's depth. It is a step away from how God made us. These eight words, these eight feelings, that's the voice of the heart. And it's funny because if we use other terms like uh, disappointed, well, disappointed is not a feeling. There's feelings in disappointment, but being disappointed is not a feeling. And, and if we can't funnel that down to the eight uh, core feelings, we don't know why we're disappointed. Are we disappointed because we're sad? Are we disappointed because we're hurt? Are we disappointed because we're angry? Are we disappointed? What is the reason we're disappointed? Do you see how other language gets the heart muddy? So I'm going to help you just kind of cut away the other language and use these eight terms. Now, that brings me to this point of the condition of the heart. The conditions of the heart have feelings in them, just like disappointment, but they're not feelings themselves. So more examples of words that I, I say, how's your heart? You would not respond this way. You would not say frustrated. You would not say upset. You would not say miserable. You would not say confused. You wouldn't say courageous. You wouldn't say peaceful. You would just say one of these eight words. That's, that's the purest form of how your heart is. And all the other things are great descriptors but they all funnel back to these eight core feelings. And we shouldn't use a descriptor too often if we can't identify the root. It's fine to say you're discouraged as long as you know where that discouragement leads you to. It's, long, it's fine to say I'm disheartened as long as you know which of the eight feelings that's tied to, right? Because uh, if I'm using descriptors but don't know the root, that's kind of like eating berries from a tree but not knowing the kind of tree it is. Right? There are good berries, and there are berries that will leave you in the bathroom for days on end. You, you need to know the root of the berry that you're picking. A few questions that I want to address first before I head into our first feeling. The first question is this, why is love not on the list? Anyone ever feel love? Feel like loving somebody? You felt loved? Anybody? Everyone's scared to raise your hand. Is this a trick question? I don't know. Is love a feeling? Is it not? I don't know. He's got me. He's pinning me against the wall here. <laughs> love is not on the list. It's not on the eight core feelings because actually love is bigger than a feeling. You can have love in all eight of those. Good grief. We lost... We lost... A love of our lives this week, Sadie. Remember, two weeks ago I did a sermon about our, my favorite dog and my least favorite dog. Well, now my least favorite dog has become my best dog and only dog. Sadie passed away uh, this week. Unexpectedly, we took her to the vet and did not realize she was as sick as she was. We had no idea that it was our farewell. It's really Carrie's sidekick and Tristan's running buddy and I'm just Sadie's provider, you know what I mean? But Sadie, Sadie has created a great void in our home. We love Sadie, especially Carrie, especially Tristan and Jordan. I love Sadie as well, but we're sad. Love is in the sadness. A little bit angry that I didn't catch it before. Love is in the anger. Really hurt. Really hurts when you take one dog for a walk, and love is in the hurt. Love is bigger than any one feeling that you or 
I experienced. So that's why love is not on the list because I would not dare minimize love's beauty and power by calling it a feeling. It's not a feeling. Love is so much bigger than a feeling. Love has feelings in it, but love is not a feeling. Are you with me? Okay, the next question I want to answer today is, I didn't see depression and anxiety. Are they not feelings? Uh, No, they're not. Actually, depression and anxiety are not feelings. They are physiological responses. They have feelings in them, but they are not feelings themselves. They are descriptors of feelings. Um, I will say, though, that depression and anxiety are very real. Coming from a guy who's had a panic attack in my life, once I've only had one in my life, uh, and I couldn't stop it. So I know exactly what that feels like. I know that it's, it, I wasn't in my head. I wasn't worried about Like it wasn't psychological. It was physiological. I understand that depression and anxiety are very real. However, they are not feelings. And more often than not, depression and anxiety are often symptoms of avoiding our true feelings. Unless you have clinical depression or clinical anxiety, We've already differentiated between mental illness and clinical issues. We're not talking about that. If you have just like reoccurring depression and anxiety, that's because you're ignoring most often the true feelings of your heart. So to use the words anxiety and depression often just distances us from our heart. I'm going to teach you how to move away from those words and move closer to what your heart is really trying to communicate to you in those moments of anxiety and depression. Uh, the next question, uh, Zachariah asked me this question a couple of weeks ago. He asked me what the eight core feelings were. He couldn't wait for this sermon. He was like, Pastor, just tell me what they are now, please. So I told him out in the hallway, and he said, wow, why is only one of them positive? Right? And uh, actually, you're going to get your full answer here today, Zachariah, but uh, actually each feeling is positive because of where it can lead to. Every feeling on this list is positive because of the outcome that it can lead to. All eight feelings are good. However, when I behave irresponsibly with my feelings, then my behavior or the outcomes can be good or can be bad. For example, isolation is a bad outcome of me being irresponsible with the feelings that I'm feeling inside. Indulgence is a bad outcome with Uh, A feeling that I'm feeling that can be a good feeling. My heart's trying to talk to me, but I take it in the wrong direction and I am indulgent in something. Another one is laziness, workaholism, alcoholism, all the isms. All All of that can become bad if we mishandle the true feelings inside of our heart. Hurt is good. Hurt is your indicator that you're in pain. Hurt leads to healing. Loneliness moves us toward intimacy. Sadness expresses value and honor. Anger hungers for life. Fear awakens us to danger and brings wisdom. Shame maintains humility and mercy. Guilt brings forgiveness and gladness proves hope of the heart to be true. Okay, enough Oprah talk. Let's get into the word. Hurt, hurt hurt. Anyone hurt today? One person in the room, two, three, four. Okay, good. A lot of you are secretly hurt or you you wanted to wait until that first hand went up because you didn't want to get hurt by rejection of being the only person to be hurt. I know, I feel you. 
One more time. We already know there are people in the room. So who's, who's hurt? Who's dealing with hurt today? Okay, good. A good number of us. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Hurt is a great place to be because hurt will lead you to healing. You're in the right place. Second Kings chapter 20, verse 5, the Lord is uh, talking to the prophet Isaiah, and he's telling Isaiah to tell King Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. So those of you that are hurt this morning, I've got some good news. The Lord has heard your prayer. He has seen your tears. Behold, he will heal you. That's good news, and maybe you've not heard that. Maybe you've not felt that. Maybe you felt very distant from him. But hurt is the spiritual and emotional cry that lets us know that we're in pain. I would rather feel hurt than feel numb. I'm shocked at the people that I meet that are that are going through very severe trauma. And they just relay it as if it's just a news story. Just giving you the facts. It is what it is. It's a tough life. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And I'm thinking that on any day would take a number of people out. And you're telling it to me as if it's not hurting you. Hurt is a gift. Feeling hurt this morning is your heart's way of letting you know that you're in pain. So can everybody who's hurt, can we just all just tap our heart and say, thank you, heart. Thank you, heart, for the hurt. Come on, say, it, say it like you mean it. Come on. Thank you, heart, for the hurt. Come on, church. Thank you, heart. Thank you, Hosanna. I'll tell you the gift of hurt. The gift of hurt gives us the opportunity to admit, to accept, and to surrender to the truth that we're needy, that we have neediness. And neediness sounds like a bad word. I know we are, we are in a culture of self-made men, self-made women. We don't need anybody. We can do this. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I get it. That's the culture we're in. But we were created for connection. I was created to need you. You were created to need me. And when we have hurt, it brings us to a place of acknowledging our neediness. Our heart has needs. And to ignore those needs, remember that's one of the, the five roots that nourishes our heart. When we ignore the fact that we are needy, we're giving our heart less nourishment than it needs. Now physically, if you break a leg, anyone ever broken a leg in here before? A couple, a few of us? If you break a leg, you need a cast. It needs time to heal. It needs some support around it. And that's the same emotionally and spiritually. If you're wounded, for example, by betrayal, someone betrays you, they, they blindside you, it catches you off guard. We've all experienced betrayal from time to time. But if that happens, then you need time, attention, and nurturing of others to help you learn to trust again. Hurt points you to your need for help. We often escape pain by defending against the possibility of it happening again. So when we get hurt, we put in all the measures to make sure we don't get hurt again. Make sure that no one can penetrate the wall, the, the, the boundaries that we've placed. You know, we, we don't just build a wall, we, we dig a moat. 
We get all the, the shields and the spears and we make sure that no one can come close to us again. We defend against it hurting again, but living in defensiveness minimizes and denies the truth and seriousness of hurt. Hurt isn't trying to get you to be more safe. Can I say that again? Your hurt is not trying to get you to be more safe. Your hurt is trying to get you well. Ignoring hurt can lead us to worse consequences. The very things that we use to hide and numb our hurt. I don't know if you're a, if you're a hider and a number like me. But you use things to hide and numb your hurt will eventually take you out. Those things will actually be worse than the initial hurt. And we use things all the time to hide and numb our hurt. We use food, all kinds of fix, fixes. Food, religion, sex, alcohol, drugs, hard work intelligence, prescription medications. Can I get an amen? Just because a doctor put a signature on it doesn't mean that it's good for you always. Discipline, self-discipline. We use all kinds of bad and good things to numb the pain that we're feeling and we, we don't mend our hearts that way. Our hearts won't get well by all the fixes that we're trying to accomplish in these hurts. Our fixes do work against the pain. I'll, I'll give us that. That's why we continue to drink. That's why we continue to do the bad things. That's why we continue to, to eat the food. That's why we continue to, to numb out on Netflix. The, it eases the pain temporarily. The problem is it will never bring true healing. It just allows us to survive in the moment. Instead of becoming... People who are thriving, we become survivors of hurt. John 10.10, Jesus has come that you and I may have life and have it to the full. Surviving hurt, just treading water and keeping your chin above the water is not what God has for you. There's more that he has for you. So we've got to stop trying to control it all in the process, making sure we don't get hurt, making sure they won't hurt us again, and getting all the fixes around us. And we have to find a way to let God bring the healing in. So each feeling, each feeling has two states that I want to talk about. On the paper that I gave you, I listed the eight core feelings, and down the middle is the truth. That's just like... You know, that's the, the bare bones word. We're talking about hurt today. So that's the true feeling. But every feeling has an impaired version. So when you're feeling hurt, if you do it the wrong way, if you allow it to move you the wrong way, that hurt becomes impaired. It expresses itself in a way that's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for other people. So what is the impaired version of hurt? I'm glad you asked. The impaired version of hurt is resentment. Resentments. Resentment is one of the things that we deal with in renewal. Walking people through forgiveness, helping them break out of the resentment in their hearts. When you get hurt, if you don't listen to your heart and you try to cover it or you express it in a wrong way, the impaired version of hurt is resentment. 
You know, nursing a grudge, keeping a grudge alive and strong creates its own energy. And in some way, it makes you feel powerful. The problem is, it keeps us from facing the powerlessness over others and from accepting the vulnerability of pain. It's easier to be mad at somebody and hold a grudge and be resentful than to admit the fact that you're sitting in pain, that you're sitting in hurt. Resentment allows us to know that we have pain, to keep it a secret. Sometimes you can resent people and they don't even know that you're resenting them. And we find a way to blame others. Resentment will cause you to question the goodness of God. You're hurt and you ever say, How could God allow this? That is an impaired version of hurt. Are you you picking up what I'm laying down today? Is this all right? I'm laying it down and I'm not sensing a pickup on your end. It's kind of deep, eh? I just want to help you because we're all hurt. We all experience hurt. You were created to experience and recognize hurt not so you can resent other people, not so you can be angry at God, not so that you can feel like your life is wasted or your life is awful, but you're to experience hurt so that you can be propelled further into the healing that God has for you. What's the gift of hurt? So we talked about the impairment. I want to talk about the gift because we identified that we're hurt. That's great, but But how can I view it as a gift? That's really where we want to get to in all eight of these. How do I take the hurt that I have and produce and allow it to plant inside of me the gift that God has through the hurt? You ever heard the saying, uh, no pain, no gain? Well, I hear that all the time. I go to the gym and I tell myself that, no pain, no gain. But I'm not sure because I feel pain all the time. And I'm not seeing many gains. But I think there is a true philosophy around that. Like the cost of what you want is going to create an equal measure of sacrifice. If you want gain, you're going to have to embrace pain. No pain, no gain. There is a gain of hurt. The the pain that you're experiencing in your hurt creates a gain. So hurt moves us, moves the heart towards healing. Your hurt is an invitation to be well. Your hurt is an invitation to ask someone else to come and sit with you in your hurt. I get it. I've been hurt. I've been hurt deeply. I've been at the bottom of the well in the darkness, and I've, I've longed for someone to throw a rope over to rescue me. I've longed for someone to drop a ladder in so that I could get out. But you know what I really needed? In the well of despair, I don't need an escape. I need someone to sit with me a while. Because I don't need you to heal me. God's going to do that. I don't need to heal myself. I tried and look where it got me in, in a deeper well of despair. 
But when I'm hurting, that's my cue to lean into the community that God has placed me in, to lean into the connections that God has surrounded me with, because somewhere in you is what I need to find healing. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That tells me that my healing is in one another. Of course it doesn't work that I isolate myself and I push everyone away until I I feel better. I never feel better because my healing is in you. My healing is in community. My healing is in connection. You know, I... I am convinced, I told someone else this this week, I am fully persuaded, convinced to the uttermost that it is connection that brings healing to us all. The God in you finds the God in me and together we both look more like him and there is healing. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now this isn't a confessional booth where you need to go confess to a priest. There's a man confessing to a priest. This is the confession of community. Connection with others heals our hearts. So for those of you that said you were hurt this morning, it's a call to community. It's a call to connection. One of those ways that I want to give you is fearless and flawless. Connect groups. In fact, I think this next weekend, fearless men are meeting somewhere for lunch. Anyone know? Torchies, God's, God's, God's kitchen. Yes. And, and they have something for everyone. They've got a Republican, a Democrat. They've got brush fire, crossroads. Don't know what you're doing? Come get a crossroads. That's my favorite, the crossroads. There's going to be a group of guys there at Torchies this Saturday. We're hanging out, just getting to know each other, talking, sharing our hearts. That's how healing happens, by making yourself available for community. There's also Flawless. Saturday morning, they're doing something like a, what is it, babe? A white elephant breakfast. I've never had that. I don't know what that tastes like, but but I'm sure that white elephant is going to be good. What do you think, Jordan? It's going to be good. Jordan eats anything. So flawless, you're going to sign up for that come Saturday because that's how healing happens. If you're hurt, come anyway. If you're hurt, that's why you should be coming. Our human response is to isolate, to build a defense, to hide behind a wall, to go numb, to push away our heart. Our heart. But Psalm 34, verse 18, gives us such good news today. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Will you stand to your feet? Our team is going to come. I didn't want to close out this service, especially talking about hurt. I know our family has experienced it. You've experienced hurt. 
but I just wanted to create a space where we could actually bring that hurt to someone else and just share it with them and be prayed for together. I've asked our prayer team to come to the front. If you'll go ahead and make your way to the front. And as we sing this song, if you're someone that's been struggling with hurt and you're just, you just want prayer, you just want to share it with somebody, share your heart with somebody, this is the place of healing in this house of miracles. something in the room when I talk to our viewers online. I just want to encourage you, if you're watching this either live or some weeks, months later, and you're in a place of pain, a place of hurt, I just want to encourage you to find somebody, reach out to somebody to communicate that hurt with. But even more so, there is a God in heaven who knows your name. You may not believe in God. You may not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But in this, in this moment, if you'll just take a risk, if you'll just take a risk and for, for just a moment, place your hand on your heart, maybe you could say something like this, God, I don't, I don't even know if you exist. I don't know if you're real. I'm not in relationship with you, but I know that I'm hurting, and that's my heart's cry, that I need something. So God, I come before you, I come to you. And in this moment, I ask that you would bring healing to my hurt. In Jesus' name. You know, I found that when we lean into God and we just make ourselves real and honest and vulnerable before him, he'll meet us there. So those of us in the room, maybe you didn't come up for prayer, you're just gonna handle the hurt on your own. I'm praying for you. I see you. 
I've been there too. And I just want you to know that our team, our staff, our church is available to welcome you in any place that you are, any place of hurt, any place of despair that you're at. We're here for you. Father, I come before you today. I thank you for a time of peering deep into our hearts, of understanding that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. God, I thank you that even through hurt, we can be pointed towards healing. God, I ask that you would go with us this week, that you would bless us this week, help us to identify the voice of our heart like never before. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say, amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord some praise this morning? All right. Well, if you've not signed up for Connect Groups, now is your time to do that. Uh, And I just want to encourage you to take what you received in here and go give it to someone out there. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. God bless you.